Welcome to the Scaling Freelance Podcast, where successful freelancers, consultants, and solopreneurs tell us exactly how they started working for themselves and started to live a life on their own terms. Each episode features real stories packed with real salary numbers, business tactics, and lifestyle hacks that will inspire you to get serious about the business side of freelancing. So my best month was May 2018. I probably brought in like close to $20,000. $15,000, usually around 10K a month. I think I did like $20,000 worth of photography gigs, which was extraordinary. Come hang out with me and other growth-minded freelancers at scalingfreelance.com. I'm your host, Sean Crow, and here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Our guests on the show today are Elena Potter and Kate Busby. This is the first duo that I've had on the show, so we'll see how this goes. (laughs) Elena is a freelance designer and illustrator in Chicago, and Kate is a freelance web developer who is remote in Lisbon right now, which is awesome. Um, They came together to form the boutique web design studio, fittingly called Busby Potter. And by teaming up, they offer start-to-finish websites with Elena handling the design and Kate handling development. Elena and Kate, are you ready to talk about scaling freelance? Yeah. Awesome. So let's start off with, I was trying to figure out how we want to handle the stories here. So let's start off with just the Busby Potter pitch and describe what services you offer and what your ideal client looks like. Yeah, I would say that we're pretty full service. Most of our clients come to us because they need a website, but a lot of them also are one of our individual clients as a freelancer. And so we bring Busby Potter to them whenever they need a website. So oftentimes our projects include branding, um, all kinds of collateral design, um, website design, um, and then all kinds of technology stuff that Kate handles. Um, (laughs) So um, our clients are sort of like, we want to be a one-stop shop for them. Um, Most of our projects recently, we've been bringing in external copywriters, strategists. um, We hire photographers, videographers. um, So we're basically like a freelance agency. Awesome. That's, a, that's cool. So you are, you are actively hiring subcontractors for whatever needs that your clients have. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's, yeah. yeah, let's get into that later because we do the same thing and it's, it's fun. Yeah. So before we dive into the partnership, let's break it out into your individual stories. So Elena, take us back to when you first decided to go freelance full time. What was, what year was it and what was your life like? Yeah, so it was 2016. I was working at a small agency. Actually, Kate and I met at that agency. And I I was young. In hindsight, I probably wouldn't have been like, you should definitely quit your job right now. You <laughs> don't have enough experience. But it worked out. So um, yeah, so I was I was just getting a little bit like antsy. I think I kind of grew up in a family where it was like most of my mm-hmm. like family members or entrepreneurs like kind of doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I worked at agencies for around about two years in Chicago and got a bunch of experience and got to work with some big clients and then pretty quickly realized that I want to be like on the ground level with founders who are doing things with entrepreneurs, with people who are really invested in building something. Started taking on freelance work probably like six months before I quit my job and it very quickly like snowballed into like, I'm working a full-time job and then have six to eight hours of work that like I need to get through when I get home from work and that's not sustainable. So I should just quit my job. So 
I did <laughs> and worked out. <laughs> nice. Did you deliberately look, seek out freelance gigs while you were at work or did it just kind of happen? No, it just kind of happened. Um, and, you know, first it was like, you know, a family friend and then um, people sort of through that network and they were all smaller scale projects. And so once I quit, I was really able to like take on much larger projects, but it was enough to like give me the confidence to be like, I can, I can totally do this. So. Yeah. So how did you know that you could quit? Cause it's gotta be terrifying. Yeah. Um, I think I was like the right level of like just naive enough to like not be afraid of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I think if I were still working a full-time job now, I'd be like, I don't think this is a good idea, but I, I mean, I was 23. Like I was, um, I was pretty young. And um, so I was like, yeah, I can do this. Like, I don't need, if I like don't make money for the first like three months, like I have enough saved that I can like figure it out while I do it. Um, since the day I quit, it's been like pretty, like I've had pretty consistent work. So mm -hmm. uh, that's amazing. But it's um, awesome. And how long has it been? It's been, so it'll be three years in September. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. That's cool. Thank you. So how did you find, so it sounds like you found your first few clients, just family and friends. Mm -hmm. What happened when those dried up? How did you find your first few? Yeah. Well, so I really, I thought the hard thing about freelancing would be getting new work. And um, that's been the easiest thing this whole time. So most of my clients, most of our clients, like somebody we worked with in the past both of friends and connections who are also doing similar things. And if they like working with us, they'll tell their friends. And like, it's cool looking back now over the past three years, like if I drew it as a map, it would just be like the circles would be getting bigger. And now I'm probably like four degrees out from like a family friend of where I started. And it's just like weird connections um, of people who so yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah all right so Kate take us back to when you first went full-time freelance where were you at in life and yeah how did you make that decision um so I was working on a larger agency than the one Elena and I had met at um I was working at uh, Kramer Crassel in Chicago um which is a pretty big advertising agency knew that I wanted to live abroad um I lived abroad before and one reason why I became a web developer was because of hopefully being able to be location independent because I actually haven't always been a web developer. I started out working at agencies in on more of the account management side, which actually I think helps me as a freelancer now, but I started out in that, became a web developer, working with Elena at 88 was my first web development job and then had been working at Kramer Castle for about a year and a half. And I actually thought that I was going to look for and find a fully remote job. That was like my first inclination because I thought freelancing sounded kind of hard and scary and all those things, but actually it kind of found me more than I found it. I started freelancing after work, same as Elena. Um, similar thing with, uh, well, Elena came to me with one of my first freelance projects. Another person we worked with, his brother-in-law had an agency, so I was um, working after work and realizing that like this actually might be a better path to location independence than working remote because working remotely is also a difficult um, difficult to find those opportunities after working for a couple months on like hourly jobs and smaller jobs like working every weekend um, somebody that I used to work with at a nonprofit she had been working at a huge or not a huge but like a, a well-funded investment firm for a while 
and came to me. It was like two days after the new year and she texted me and was like, my company needs a new website. Is this something that you do? And I texted back, yes. And I just realized I figure it out later. <laughs> Texas Lane was like, we, we do this, right? Um, and so the budget was big enough. Um, and I had, you know, been working hourly enough where um, that was kind of like the line of demarcation in my head of like, if I can get this job, I'm going to walk into my office the next day and quit because like I was, I was ready to move on and either, yeah, work remote or freelance. And so um, we pitched to them. Well, we pitched to them and we were up against like an actual advertising agency in Chicago, like a 50 person agency. So we were like, we'll give it our best effort and see how this goes. Um, and yeah, I got the message um, after their meeting that they were going with us. And like I walked home on cloud nine and mm. I didn't quit the next day, but I quit like four mm. days later. So you landed it and then you quit. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> snowballed from there. Um, like similar to Elena, I've been kind of pleasantly surprised at like how we're able to find work through both of our networks and how we kind of are able to work together to bring each other work so um yeah cool yeah that gives us a good a good baseline for the two storylines there so uh with busby potter let's talk more about that that lead gen because that's what you described is exactly what my business partner partner and i experience is like we don't know how we get clients sometimes we just do right how do you guys cultivate those circles and those, that network for each of you? Yeah. I mean, just like being a nice person to everyone you meet. I think it's like, <laughs> like, it's like, if I'm nice, it, I'm not being nice to get work from them. But like, if I'm like in the agencies where I worked at, it's like, I'm, a, I'm trying to be a nice person who like works hard and people remember that. Um, true. Yeah. Like a base level. It's like, I feel like it's not hard to like, just like make people remember you and want to work with yeah. you. We like, we've done a couple of proposals for people that like we have no contact with, but it's usually people find us on the internet or um, see work that we've done in the past and then find out that we did it and we'll email us and say, we want this. And so then we'll like put together a proposal and. Um, okay. What percent of your leads that kind of, if let's say you get a hundred leads in this month, where does it break down in terms of where they're coming from? I would, I mean, um, I would say yeah. mostly referrals. Uh, Elena, you get more cold emails because she has great SEO on her personal uh, portfolio for illustration. So yes. you might get more uh, cold leads from your website. Yeah, I've been getting, so on my personal website, full disclosure, I don't know like what I'm doing, but I did something right on my, <laughs> on my portfolio. So I get a lot of emails, like I show up high on like, Chicago freelance designer. So a lot of people will reach out to me and then I'll do an initial intake call with them and figure out what it is they need. Cool. And then more often than not, it's cool. This is my business partner. Let's set up a call to really like dig into your website. Yeah. So I just talked to someone who's in Cincinnati. She's an illustrator and 98% of her leads are SEO. And like, this is blowing my mind that everyone's saying SEO yeah. because Thomas and I have no SEO. <laughs> well, I also think that when people say SEO, sometimes they might think like, oh, we have to do all these like tips and tricks and like all these little things. And I think a lot of people can get good SEO if they genuinely have like good content on their site, like whatever, like Elena's a, a great illustrator and like she has the projects, like the images, like all of those things that like any kind of like how to do SEO list, yeah. like she has them, she would have put them on her website anyway. Yep. 
because sometimes I hear people talk about SEO and yeah, it's just like, how can I trick the system? But like, that's not a good place to start. Like, I think if you're genuine about it, then uh, you're probably going to start ranking for things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause I, on your yeah. site, it says I am a designer <laughs> and illustrator in Chicago. It's very clear. <laughs> Um, cool. Let's talk about pricing yeah. and how you decided to do hourly versus value-based because that's a big jump that freelancers make and there's usually a very specific yeah. reason that, that we make that yeah. jump. Um, so for me, I do almost every client that I have, I start them out as fixed fee. Like we're doing a branding overhaul or a website or um those things usually start out with like, this is what it's going to cost and we'll make it happen for this cost. Um, and then more often than not, my clients want to keep working with me as sort of like a support since I know their brand, I know what they're doing, um, you know, and they want a brochure two months later. And um, so sometimes I will sort of transition them into hourly work. That is, it's a lot, it's less stable than the fixed fee projects, but um, and we'll kind of get into this when we talk about like, um, consistent income, but I've found the most success in having like layered projects of two really big fixed fee projects going on. And then, you know, three clients that I'm doing sort of hourly stuff for, and then like, you know, one other thing, um, that's where I found the most success. So, um, usually, but I usually don't start people out on hourly because like, it's a lot easier to like, um, understand like what our working relationship is going to be whenever it's fixed fee. So that's for sure. Yeah. And Kate, are you yeah. pretty similar? Yeah. I'm the same in that most of my clients start fixed like project rate and then move on to hourly. Um, and as a developer starting out, like even if clients, some clients wanted fixed fee up front, but it was for very specific estimates. And I would think about specifically the hours. So even if it was fixed fee in my mind, it was like related to, hours, which I have found to be um, really ineffectual for developers because the client wants something else or like specs change, which I mean, obviously try to nail down the technical requirements ahead of time, but things, things always change. And, you know, even uh, people give the advice of estimate how many hours you think it's going to take and then double that. Yep. Um, that works sometimes. Um, I find that when I go for more value-based pricing, I get to be more flexible with my clients, which in turn makes them happier so that I know if they're paying me, you know, X amount of money up front. And then they decide, you know what, we actually need like two different forms on our website instead of like, you know, the one form we talked about, this form's like way more complicated because like I've done fixed fee before or because I, because I'm on a fixed fee, like I can be more agile to that without having to charge them more, like it just, I can cover that. And then, um, I mean, if things go way out of scope, you know, we might need to rescope it, but mm -hmm. it's, I don't feel like I'm on such razor thin margins that everything that the client changes, like affects my bottom line. Like that makes me happier. It makes my clients happier. And it just like, it makes for a better working relationship. Um, and it means that like when I'm ready to start the project, like I'm excited to start the project. Um, because there had been projects I took on in, in at the beginning of my career where I just like really, really wanted the project. So kind of under bid myself or like, you know, bid lower than I thought I might just because I really wanted the work. Mm -hmm. And then the second the contract is signed, it's like, hmm, you know, this will be a good project, but like, I'm not, 
my level of enthusiasm is maybe not at a hundred percent now. And like, I want to start every project at a hundred percent and hundred percent enthusiasm, like as much trust, like between client as possible and values pricing has really, really changed that. So I definitely sure. recommend it. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting path because we we've tried it all too. We've tried all the weekly pricing, hourly pricing, fixed right. pricing, all that stuff. So it, it all depends on the project yeah. and, and the team. And the client. Too. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the client, for sure. Because then, like, if I'm doing doing small maintenance projects for clients, like, after we've launched their major site, like, I will even try to push them into, like, project pricing even after that. Like, if if it's just one or two little changes, like, sure, I might even just throw those in. But if if they have a couple bullet points or, you know, some of the issues seem to be around the same, um, like, problem that I can fix with, like, you know, changing some of the functionality on their site, I'll even say, you know, like, What's on those hourly, like, how about I provide you like an estimate? Mm-hmm. So let's hop back into the consistent income and consistent project question. That's one of the biggest issues for a lot of freelancers is the fear of not knowing if you're going to make money tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> how do you guys make sure that you're making money tomorrow? Um, I think like for me, I kind of touched on this is like really staggering my project. So at any given day, usually working on between like five to 10 different projects that are going on every single day. I probably actually get my hands dirty with one or two of each of them. Um, but I have, I would say I have like one long-term project going on at a time that there's usually a little bit of overlap with the next one. And then, you know, three to seven, like short to midterm projects that I know are going to be like one month or two months Um, and so that way I know that like, if all of those projects are fixed fee, I'm still, I'm making money over that amount of time. Um, and having like clients sort of shorter term projects gets me money in the bank while I'm working on the big projects that then it's like a 50, 50 deposit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's been really, really helpful for me. Um, I've just sort of always worked that way. I think one of the reasons I also wanted to freelance is to like work on all kinds of things at the same time. So um, that just makes sense to me. Um, But I know Kate, like it's harder as a developer to work on multiple projects at once. So you probably have a more insightful answer. I mean, that's definitely something I'm like trying to actively work on is the ability to not necessarily be one in one out, like to be able to stagger them. Um, And I like, yeah, that's just something I'm trying to refine, but also like in terms of um, making sure I have consistent income, like I used to teach at General Assembly where I did my boot camp, and so I would give workshops once a month, twice a month, um, sometimes just two hour ones, sometimes them on the weekend, which was just another income stream, which was great. And also it meant that I could get in front of people and talk to people, which you don't always get as a freelancer, especially as a developer too. You're not uh, like, talking um, we've got our rubber ducks to all suck the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and i know elena teaches at chicago portfolio school too um so that's been really helpful i mean like to anybody listening you know it doesn't have to be just teaching but um something outside of your typical job that can also bring you money like it makes me more excited to do other work and yeah it's just a great way to like you know, if I know, I know I have a slow week, but I have a Saturday workshop going on, like things are, things are going pretty good. Um, so besides varying the project types and like, like, like what Elena said between like short-term or long-term or 
the payment structure, whether it's a project fee or hourly, like also finding maybe one or two other revenue streams, whether that's like products you sell on Etsy or, um, you know, digital products you can sell, some kind of like passive income. Like, I think that's really, really valuable because um, it helps keep you consistent and doesn't make you go as crazy with trying for new business all the time. For sure. What, what are the revenue streams that you guys have? Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, it's freelance design illustration mm-hmm. with sort of all of those projects. Um, I teach at Chicago Portfolio School. And then cool. another thing that has been great for me as a freelancer is like being connected to agencies as sort of like an overflow, somebody that maybe we've done one or two projects together, but I'm on their list as like, they can contact me at any time. I can contact them at any time and just check in and see if there's like, a project so if Mm -hmm. i have a project fall through or something i can you know email two or three people i know at agencies and be like hey like slow week um if you if you need anything like just let me know and i'm i'm around i can hop into your agency or you can send me stuff and i can work on remotely Mm -hmm. i'll add you to my list yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um (laughs) but yeah it's a great way like and like i've done that for other freelancers and i've hired other freelancers when i have too much work so um, yeah. I love that, like kind of sharing economy of like everybody is helping everybody out and somebody always has too much work and somebody always doesn't have work. So. Yep. For sure. Right. And Kate, yeah. are you selling any digital products right now or no? No. Um, I've definitely looked into like selling like custom WordPress themes or something or figuring out some kind of tool that's definitely on the to-do list, but, yeah. uh, yeah. don't sell anything yet. <laughs> awesome. Um, so let's talk about the Bugsby Potter growth strategy and how you guys see the business in a few years. What is what does the business look like in one, two, three years? Yeah, I don't know. Like I think we don't know. I think like so like Bugsby Potter sort of started because like we had that pitch for that that company and we we're going up against an agency and we we're like we need to like be a little more official. <laughs> Um, so like yeah. we, we'd sort of been like kicking it around as an idea before that, but there's no reason to. Um, and then once we got it, we're like, okay, we're, we're like an agency now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I don't, we never went into it and we're like, we're going to hire 10 people in five years. Um, and I think right now both of us are kind of in like Kate's in Lisbon and like could be there for a year, could be there for five years. Like Busby Potter allows that freedom to like, it's just us, but we can also bring in extra help if we need it right now. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, cool. Yeah. So yeah, there's a right. few, there's a few routes that like that most freelancers kind of see themselves going on. It's either stay a solo freelancer, partner mm-hmm. up with somebody and be like a micro agency, which is kind of, I guess what I am or be an agency and start hiring yeah. people full time. Do you guys know where you want that to be? Or are you just not sure yet? I don't think we're sure yet. Um, like some, I don't, something we haven't touched on necessarily is that even though we're Busby Potter, like we are an agency, we like to say that we're an agency and domain name only because none of our finances are intermingled. And like when clients pay us, they actually pay us separately. And so when we pitch a client, like we give them our proposal that includes us working together. We worked on projects before, like we're kind of selling, we're selling them both of our services, but also our teamwork. Um, and that actually, we both really prefer that because it keeps us like individual, agile. We don't have to deal with any 
corporation type things. Like we are just two independent freelancers that work together. Cool. I know that we are, we both have been enjoying getting in a little bit larger projects that um, involve, like Elena said, copywriters, videographers, content creators. Um, we've included at least one other person in our product, in our project pitches, I think for like yeah. just the last couple months, every single one that's gone out has, um, we have brought in somebody else as well. In my opinion, I mean, that's kind of where I see us going for at least the next year. We've, we have, we've been Busby Potter for a little bit over a year. So we're new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting spot. Cause I think we're both kind of in the same mindset, but there's no name for us. There's no like, we're yeah. not an agency. Yeah. We're not necessarily freelancers as a team, but like, um, yeah. So it's, it's super interesting. Yeah. So a lot of freelancers aspire to hit the, the like six figure mark, right? That's kind of like this pie in the sky. I want to be six figure freelancer. Do you guys have something you're hitting or is it just mm-hmm. more projects, yeah. more revenue, more money? You can go ahead, Kate. Yeah. I was going to say, so I have been, Elena's at almost three years. Um, I have been full-time freelance for just a little over a year. I quit my job last March 22nd. Um, and so for me, that my goal for that first year was simply just to replace my income from my agency job, like accounting for health insurance, accounting for all that stuff, like bring in at least the exact same amount. Like I thought that was a good baseline. And um, I hit that last year with some despair, which was great. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, I agree that for me, six figures is definitely a goal um and this year my goal is um i have like a specific percentage over what i wanted to make last year so like if i was still working at the agency and i would have gotten a raise what would i be making that and trying to hit that but um Mm -hmm. trying to tack it on to like yeah my old salary i think is really helpful for me because i also get to see that i get to live in Lisbon and I get to like take random days off and like the lifestyle yeah. come with it is definitely worth something as well. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's so cool. And what about you, Elena? Yeah, I, so I kind of look at my income and like finances in as far as quarters, because I feel like month to month is too short to like, if somebody doesn't send a check in the mail, like the right day, then it's not going to get paid like that month. Yeah. Um, and then, but like looking at things as far as a year, like, I guess if you added up my quarterly goals, it would be like close to six figures of like what I would liking, um, what's coming in this quarter, I can kind of project out and like, you know, three months ahead, sort of start to get a feel on like what third quarter is going to look like. And then by the end of like the beginning of third quarter, I know if I'm going to like have what I need by the end of the year. Uh, I don't, I don't have any like specific goals. I, I want to make like enough money to like live and save um and like comparable to what i would be making at an agency i'm really interested in like more growing like the projects and like investing in the quality of the projects rather than like i just i want to make six figures and so i'm going to do whatever that takes Um, for sure hopefully they both like co like (laughs) grow together and it's like six figures um (laughs) which like i think makes sense um Mm -hmm, definitely Yeah, let's talk about your your like work-life balance and work-life integration, as I like to say. Uh, how do you guys handle your work days and your work weeks? Yeah, so um, similar, similarly to how Elena looks at her income on more of a quarterly basis than like a day-to-day kind of basis, like for me, work-life balance, it's I'm much more sane if I look at it in a longer term than day-to-day because 
depending on where I'm at in uh, my project timeline, like some weeks I know that I'm going to be rolling out of bed, starting to code. Maybe I'll take a lunch break, but I'm going to be coding like for solid hours at a time, like maybe even doing an evening, you know, evening after dinner shift um, and just kind of grinding it out for a couple weeks until we launch. Um, some days are a lot slower and some, there are, there are a few days in between where like, I feel like I achieved the perfect balance where I go to the gym and answer some emails and, you know, sit down for five hours and code like nonstop. Um, and that feels great, but it's not realistic to have that every day. And I actually am a person that yeah. kind of likes the, you know, I, some weeks, I'm just grinding it out. And then some weeks I realize it's like a random Portuguese holiday that I didn't know existed. So like, I'm going to take the day off of work. Um, and like, I, I do think that living abroad kind of informs my work-life balance. So I try, I try my best to have like a regular routine during the days, but just, I know that trying to force a, a balance every single day is like not necessarily even what I want. Yeah. yeah. And Elena, how, how do your days look and your weeks? Yeah, um, similar to that of like, I just kind of check in and I'm like, have I like been working all week and like doing nothing else? Um, I think also like it helps me to like put like things on the calendar. Um, so like I have a friend that we get dinner every first Tuesday of the month. And so like, at least I'm like going out <laughs> like once, once a month. Um, and so like just little things like that, yeah. Um, but I'm with Kate too of like waking up at 6.30 every day and like making breakfast and then going to the gym and then like sending emails and like not looking at your phone until 9am and like, um, you know, working a straight eight hours and then being done and cooking dinner. Um, I, I kind of like, I really like diving in and I think a lot of my work, like I need sometimes 12 hours of just like being locked in my office and like working and not talking to anyone. But I also like want to just like be able to go grocery shopping at like Tuesday at 11 instead of like Saturday <laughs> at like when everyone else is grocery shopping. So um, I basically just kind of like test, you know, and see how my week is feeling. And um, like today it's not super busy. So I'll probably go run errands this afternoon. And um, yeah, so it's kind of just like a gut check, like do things sort of feel balanced, big picture. And if not, I should, I should um, like, take a Friday off or something if I've been like really stressed all week or like working really, really, really hard. And like my life is like starting to fall down around me. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I could always do better about like, I think there's a balance of like trying to find that, but, um, at least right now it kind of, I like the chaos of like being really busy and then not being busy at all. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. How do you guys deal with vacations? Do you, like force yourselves to take time off or how do, how do you deal with that yeah well okay so i was just in um lisbon and budapest for um two months over this winter because i realized when i when i quit my job i was like oh i can like work and travel this is gonna be amazing and then two and a half years went by and i was like i haven't i, I didn't travel <laughs> weekend off and that was it like um so i took i did like a working sabbatical um so i was still doing my projects but i i went to budapest for a month and like lived there and then i went to lisbon for a month and was still able to like do my work didn't really take on any new projects while i was there so it was it was easier like 
it, it was just a good, a good change of pace. Um, Mm -hmm. so I really, I really liked that. And it felt like, I think, I think the hard thing about freelancing is like, it's, it's hard to, it's like more work to take a vacation than to not take a vacation Um, because if something goes wrong with like your client's website, like you're in Mexico for a week and like, you can't do anything. And, um, so that felt like a really good balance of like, I'm here for two months. And so over the course of those two months, Mm -hmm. I'll get in three weeks of vacation. Um, and then I'll be working out of, you know, coffee shops in Lisbon and that's really fun and like what I would want to be doing on vacation anyway. and eating pasta de nata every day exactly <laughs> yeah I yeah. miss that stuff so much <laughs> I can send you a box maybe I don't know if it'll be good when it oh, gets please to you do. but I can try um I and, and Kate how about you or is your life just a vacation since you're in Lisbon yeah I actually I think I'm a little bit yeah well every day is vacation no not really um but people think that but that's just you know the instagram feed um i i think i'm a little bit more deliberate about taking vacations than elena um one my family i think goes on vacation together more um and like because i because i live in europe i want to take advantage of being able to travel around so i'm a big fan of the uh like just like long weekend trip but there are times where I enjoy like taking a full week off. Um, and the way I can do that is I try to plan it as far in advance as possible. Um, because my projects usually are longer term and they also have longer lead times where like we might be pitching the client for a couple weeks. And then even if they say yes, you know, um, because Elena does the design first, like, it's just, it's going to be in the design and branding process for all before it gets to me. So I have, I have a pretty long lead time. So I find that, um, clients are pretty accepting of that. If, um, clients are pretty accepting of that. If like, you know, they're asking for a pitch in April and we like lay out this huge long timeline and I'm like, okay, yeah, like my timeline is, you know, nine weeks, but that does include this week here where I'm actually out of the office. Um, and so if they know that ahead of time, it's, it's usually fine haven't really run into any problems with that. Um, except for I would say that, um, actually one time I tried to like, this was a project I wasn't working on with Elena, but I was like, Oh, uh, I'm going to have the launch right before I go on vacation. (laughs) What a smart idea. (laughs) That's a dumb idea. That's the worst idea. Take the vacation in the middle of the project. Don't schedule a launch for like the day before you leave to Florida because everything like, yeah. Not, I mean, I'm great at launching sites, but you know, the client changes their mind. They haven't gotten you copy. Like there's just a lot of organization. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm deliberate with vacations. I like to take them. I'm not, I like, I like to make money and work, but I'm not a workaholic. Um, so for me, I find it a good mix of just like spontaneous weekend trips, but then like very far in advance planned out longer term works well. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Never launch before you leave for vacation. We've done that before too. <laughs> Not a good oh, I thought I was so smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We are definitely running out of time here. So let's finish up with the freelancer fave five questions. Um, so number sure. one, I don't know if you want to do this individually or as a group, you guys decide um, how you want to do these, but yeah. First one in terms of revenue what is the best month you've ever had. Yeah. Um, so my best month was May, 2018. Um, I think it was, also the best quarter that I had, like, um, but May sort of fell like April and June, I like didn't make much money at all, but everyone paid me in May and I was coming up 
the cusp of like concluding like two big projects and then starting another one. So it was like the final 50% for two projects and then the first 50% for another and then hourly stuff. So um, I probably brought in like close to $20,000 that month. But then on the other side of that was like, 2000 in April and like 1000 in June. So like it all, it all yeah. evens out. Um, but that felt good. That was like, yeah, I should just do it every month. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Not, yeah. Maybe someday that's possible, but it, it was just a sort of a combination of like yeah. timing and um, when checks got nice. cashed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was June, 2018. So yeah. the month after Elena, which makes sense in our, yeah. our project structure. Um, but yeah, I, I wrapped up a major project. I landed a new major project through my network, which was unexpected. I had two workshops that month and was doing hourly work for other clients. So like, like I think I had to cry for help to some of my friends being like, help, I have so much work, but like as a freelancer, it's good if you're drowning in work. So yeah. Um, yeah, I was just able to like hit the perfect balance of like all those revenue streams in one month and it felt really good. That's awesome. Uh, what are your favorite business books? Yeah. Um, I pulled two off my shelf that I really like. Um, this one is called run studio run by Eli Altman. And it's about like his way of sort of forming a studio and like how it happened. Um, and it's, it's like, I like it cause it doesn't subscribe to like sort of traditional agency like it's more like you know they started with a small team and um it's it's a beautiful book um like I just like flipping through it and it has just all kinds of stuff um and then the other one that has been super helpful to me is creative strategy and the business of design um it's more like probably for people who are designers and want to really like be strategic partners with their clients um but that's just something that like at least where I went to college for graphic design, they didn't teach you like, you know, how to, it was like, here's how you make something that looks good, but not any of that strategy. So it really dives into like understanding like what clients want, which is, you know, you know, all of the the business terms, the marketing terms, um, and sort of how that can blend into design and like it's helped with proposals and like, you know, um, talking about that with clients. So it's not just like, here's a logo and it's like, pretty and cool um so that's been that's been really helpful for me cool kate what about you yeah for me um i don't read a lot of business books but there's one that i like loved um and it's actually free which is great but um it was called um breaking the time barrier and it's it was actually put out by fresh books which is an accounting software but Mm -hmm. It's, it's short. It's like, I read it over coffee in like one lazy morning, but it's like 70 pages and it's all about value-based pricing, which is actually kind of, it helped me jumpstart the shift to value-based pricing. And the way it reads is completely like a conversation between two different freelancers, which I found like really digestible because, um, you know, there's one person in the book, in the conversation that does value-based pricing and, um, they're able to kind of talk about the pros and cons and what people's blocks of value-based pricing are in like a really colloquial kind of way. So I found it much more approachable than like hard and fast kind of business book. And yeah, the fact that it was free in 70 pages, you know, like. Can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. And like it, it really, it kind of changed my mindset. It was, it came at a good time. And I think I got the recommendation on Reddit. So <laughs> nice. um, that's definitely mine. And then. I, not a book, but like clients from hell, the, the blog and the podcast, um, I find that really valuable as well. Awesome. What is your, your tech stack in terms of business tools that you guys are using? 
Slack. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Slack. Um, we use Zeppelin a lot for our design to dev handoff, which is really helpful. Zeppelin we is have, um, yeah, I love it. Um, we have a pretty organized uh, Google Drive together. Um, we don't actually keep like we don't keep any of our our actual deliverables there. Like that's all for or that's all for Zeppelin. Um, but Oh what, do you use anything for invoicing or project management or task management? I use Harvest for like time tracking and invoicing. Um, and then project yeah. management, I just kind of do manually um, with, I use, I use to do. Um, I don't know if you know, like of Tina Roth Eisenberg, like Swiss Miss. She's, um, she used to be a designer and she is building all of these amuse, amazing things, but it's, it's basically like a paper pad, to like to do list except it's digital so like things will roll over um it's not there's no bells no whistles like you have to do it all manually um but i find that that's like the best way like it it's just like me writing down what i need to do to sort of can plan out that way mm -hmm, for sure yeah. have you heard of notion or have you tried that yet no. Check that out. Um, a lot of designers I talk to okay. love Notion. I haven't I haven't okay. dug into it yet, but um, it's cool. supposed to be pretty awesome. Yeah, and I've tried like other software for like projecting and stuff like that, um, and like just a spreadsheet is like what works best for me. Of like, because I mean I think like I'm not working on that many things that I can't just like put them all in as a spreadsheet line and sort of anticipate I'm going to make, you know, I need to find another project for next quarter. Um, yeah. Cool. Number four, what freelancer or micro business owners are you currently following? Yeah. Um, I have been following um, ghostly ferns for a really long time. They're a, like a collective of freelancers. So okay. um, that's sort of like, I think they've been around for probably five, five years. Um, but that was sort of what started the conversation um, of like, should we start like some sort of like systematized process as freelancers that can work together. Um, so I think they have like designer, illustrator, like developer and like a letterer. So it's just sort of like, they sell themselves as like, we're friends and we really like working together. So if yep. you want to hire us, like do it. Um, That's cool. I think our process is a little more like, business or like not that that's business oriented but more aggressive in like we work together and here's why you should hire us because like here's all of our process um yeah. but it's really cool what they're doing and that's i cool. think was like good inspiration for being a freelancer and working with other freelancers nice last question if you could each tell yourself one thing your younger self one thing what would that be um probably like just like hire an accountant because yeah <laughs> true like, that is that. that's an accurate so statement yeah it has to be done but i don't want to do it so yeah. uh for me it would be to start coding sooner um because it was a career change for me and it's been a great career change but you know sooner would be better <laughs> yeah for sure what uh how'd you learn again did you general assembly yeah i went to general assembly Cool. That's awesome. My, the first podcast that, that Thomas and I had was called I code hire me and we interviewed cool. people that are self-taught developers. So that was our first, uh, it was a 12 episode podcast and it was kind of fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my first intro to coding was actually making my MySpace look really awesome back in the nice. year 2000 and you know, two or something <laughs> like that. Um, 
mine was popping, but uh, I stopped doing HTML and CSS after that until I started coding and went to General Assembly. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all the questions I've got. So thank you so much, guys, for being on the show. This was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Sorry we went over time. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah.